Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. Today on the Indo-Daily, from ritual murders to romance fraud, meet the notorious Black Axe Gang, the biggest criminal operation in the world. The Black Axe is synonymous with cybercrime. It's spread around the world. They've claimed to have as many as 30,000 members globally. Their footprint is global, their methods are barbaric and sophisticated, and now they have made Ireland a personal stronghold for their crimes. Black Axe are involved a lot more. They're involved in firearms trafficking. They're a pretty sophisticated organisation, very well organised. Uh, they have a global footprint that would put any police organization or global police organization to shame. And as Gardy close in on them, their methods are becoming more violent and brazen. Developing the tactics that you'd be kind of well used to with our drugs gangs in the sense that um, there's been a, a couple of violent incidences of intimidation. I'm Ellen Coyne, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Ken Foy crime correspondent with the Irish Independent to look at the sprawling influence and global reach of Ireland's newest criminals, the Black Axe Gang. So the Black Axe Gang have been in the news a lot this week and Ken, we'll get into uh, kind of one of the major players and what we know about him later on. But you might start with the gang itself. Even the the name is a little bit um, eye-catching. What do we know about this, this criminal group and where they've come from? Well, the Black Axe Gang, they started out in Nigeria in the, 19, in the mid-1970s. The group emerged in the 1970s in Nigeria, where they carried out rape, mutilations and ritual murders. They were on to build a powerful international network. It has a strong presence in Italy. Several of its members were arrested there in April and faced about 100 charges, including drug and people trafficking, prostitution and internet fraud. It had kind of started as a a universal university based organization or, or, and has even been described as a cult but um over the years and i suppose by the in by the nineteen eighties it it had emerged as a as a major criminal organization on a global scale um dealing in all types of criminality um particularly organized prostitution um murders when they needed to um assert their authority. Um, people trafficking and various uh, various other major uh, schemes. Um, as time has went on into the 90s and up to present day, what they've really made a niche of is um, huge organised fraud. Um, and this has been conducted on a global scale. 
So a very interesting, colourful and, and brutal background. But as you said, they've kind of changed as time went on. And I understand that they're also involved in something that's described as romance fraud as well. Is that right? The suspects use a modus operandi of poaching their victims on social media websites using online dating websites to find and connect with their victims. Yes, romance fraud and again this would be on a global network not just in Ireland but where it is a huge problem but for example some main black axe players were extradited last year to the United States in relation to a huge amount of romance fraud in that country and they're facing massive jail sentences in the US in relation to it. There has been a number of court cases here in Ireland in relation to romance fraud, including in July of last year, where three black axe operatives received jail sentences in relation to a a fairly tragic case in which a woman, a Leinster-based woman, uh, lost her complete, her whole life savings amounting to €208,000 after being scammed um, by these individuals. She was in communication with, um, obviously, a person that didn't exist. Unfortunately, she ended up coughing up that amount of money and lost her all her life savings. Obviously, really devastating on a personal scale. And as well, I'm sure a lot of kind of shame on the part of the the victim as well. Uh, So they obviously, uh, as you've made clear, they have a presence here. They have a presence across the world. I'm really interested in what the the authorities think of them. Like I was reading about um, the way Interpol have described them. It's nearly, like from a criminal perspective, it's nearly a flattering thing to say. They said they're a pretty sophisticated organisation, very well organised with a global footprint that would put any police organisation to shame. It is a global problem and um, they have a massive presence here in Ireland. Um, But there's been on a daily, well, certainly on a weekly basis, there's operations being carried out but, uh, by Specialist Gardaí, the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau, who, who previously were known as the Fraud Squad, have been tackling them. But the problem is they are considered to be arguably um, the biggest criminal, criminal organisation in the world. The various law enforcement agencies operating out of various countries globally have a huge problem tackling transnational organised crime. And in terms of their base in Ireland, do we know or is it possible to know um, how big their presence is here? Like how many uh, how many members of the gang would be based here? It's not known exactly, but in, in terms of the structure of the gang um, means that a, lo- a lot of the people that might be operating for them, doing their dirty work, the lowest level of the gang are what's known as money mules. A money mule is somebody who allows their bank account to be used for money laundering purposes for for these type of frauds. And the money mule hands over the control of their bank account to the fraudster. These are often people that aren't traditional criminals. A lot of them are, are could be college students and are college students, for example, or often young people who are just looking for a quick book and, and are offered something which seems uh, very appealing. So they would be the lowest level of the of the structure. And as I say, most of them wouldn't even know that the work that they're doing is facilitating black acts. Some of them, I'm sure, wouldn't even know of the existence of the name of such an organisation. But above that, then, you have, and there's many, the Gardaí suspect in Ireland, that there's many hundreds of these people which are known as herders. These are people that are involved in recruiting uh, money mules and also um, distributing money around various different accounts. Their answer answerable then to managers who oversee those. But again, the herders who have a senior enough 
position within the organization are dealing oftentimes on, on social media and on encrypted phones with people that are known as the bo- their boss or the manager and, and these kind of names. But the herders who are quite significant up to tier are more than likely not even aware of the identity of the person that they're answering to in a lot of, the, lot of occasions. So it's, it's very difficult for law enforcement to kind of penetrate a gang that has a structure like this. They sound very formidable and obviously very well organised. And I know that um, back in August, Gardy raided a Dublin property that had connections to this gang. And um, they noticed that there were some very unique modifications made to that property. Was that right? It was one of the most significant raids, actually. It happened in the West Halle area in mid-August. A particular area which actually has become a kind of a stronghold of the organisation in Ireland in recent times. But the, the place was suspected as, be, as being a kind of um, where money was stored, um, the actual cash. And it was being counted there. A cash counting machine was found there. The place had steel doors. The particular target of the operation was involved or suspected who was arrested was suspected of being involved in money laundering in, in a massive amount of countries. The money being distributed to places as far away as Hawaii, Germany, Norway. Basically, it was a, a major operation. It, as part of that, a Range Rover worth 100,000 euro was also seized, believed to be the proceeds of crime. And this would be, it, there has been a number of occasions in the, that, that's popped up in the last year or so that the more senior gang members are actually flaunting their wealth and, and driving around. Range Rovers seem to be um, one of their most popular um, popular vehicles to, to drive around, but they, they have no way of explaining the, the money that they have obtained. And speaking of that um, that habit, I suppose, of kind of flashing the cash or flaunting their wealth, the reason that we're talking about this gang is because one of their main players uh, has been making headlines in Ireland uh, this week. Can you tell us a little bit about him? This was a fraud squad investigation that's been ongoing for a long time into this individual who is he's last he before he was in prison last year he was based in Lucan but he he's originally kind of based around uh, at Lone area he's serving a, a sentence in Locken House open prison which is in County Cavan and on Monday he was arrested in the jail and um Gardy discovered discovered when he was arrested he was wearing trainers which were valued at 500 euro and a jacket that could have cost anything up to 2000 euro he was detained in a garage station in County Cavan, uh, where he was questioned about his role in obtaining a, a figure that's it's still not known, but it's estimated to be well over two hundred thousand euro in relation to fraudulent um, pandemic un- unemployment payments, otherwise known as PUP payments. So it was considered a very significant arrest because the same individual previously received a suspended sentence in relation to being money from a invoice redirect fraud that happened in Galway. Back in 2019, a company there was targeted where 30,000 euro was stolen. After that, even, he continued to be involved in serious organized criminal activity. In his case, it was, he was he's connected with a professional person who works in a professional business that was able to provide him with details uh, so that he could make these fraudulent, fraudulent claims. That includes PPS numbers, date of births and addresses and it was almost then he he was able to open bank accounts and and claim these benefits after getting these details from that person. And you mentioned that he was arrested in an open prison. What is an open prison? Well, in Ireland, there's two open prisons. Um, There's Lockenhouse in County Cavan, uh, where he was arrested under Shelton Abbey in County Wicklow. 
the security regime in, in these prisons is a lot more lax than it is in what, what is called closed prisons. For example, prisoners are given their own mobile phones. Now, these phones don't have the internet or the capability of taking or sharing photos. They're, it's a, they're not locked in cells. They actually can uh, walk out of the facilities. It does happen. But if they do that and uh, without permission, they'll be returned to a closed prison. I suppose people in the open prisons are much more entitled to get temporary release, which normally happens uh, once or twice a month where they, where they can go back out into the community. So if people might be wondering why this individual uh, is in an open prison, and I actually did ask the question during the week, the sentence he's serving is for a nonviolent offence. And since he was first incarcerated last year, he's never come to the attention of the prison authorities for any kind of uh, bad behaviour or any breaches of prison regulations. So he, w- he was deemed to be an ideal candidate to be in a, an open prison. And that's where he was returned to. And that's where he remains uh, today, Alan. That is very interesting. And apart from being uh, very conspicuously dressed in super expensive gear when the guards showed up, um, I think you were reporting that he'd also kind of been showing off his little outfits on social media as well. Yes, this is a guy. He seems to um, he maybe like one of the individuals we mentioned from the Taller Raid in August. This is someone that, for want of a better word, is happy to flaunt his wealth. Actually, in the year before he was locked up, investigations have established that he travelled to Dubai on seven separate occasions for the purpose of holidays. And um, like, like again, like the Tala person we discussed earlier, he was often seen driving around in a white luxury Range Rover. Um, before he was actually finally arrested, finally arrested and charged and, and sentenced. When we're talking about the Black Axe Gang, you've made it really clear that this gang has a really significant presence in Ireland and that they are involved in um, significant numbers of very serious crimes. Do we know at the moment if they are involved in the drug trade in Ireland or in the drug trade internationally? It is suspected that, that they are involved in the drugs trade in Ireland and internationally, but it wouldn't. It, there hasn't been a major seizure, um, drug seizure that has shown up in recent times anyway, that has been connected to them. It's not their main uh, focus. Um, at the same time, that's not to say money that has been scammed from people, businesses and, and ordinary people in Ireland has somewhere down the chain ended up um, been involved in, uh, lumped into money that, that's put together for uh, drugs transactions on an international scale. What the, what the Black Axe have specialised in is um, a thing called trade-based money laundering. And that's where um, this money that has been stolen from businesses and people laundered into accounts is then um, used to buy legitimate goods in places like China and Vietnam. Things like... Uh, uh, motor vehicles, pharmaceutical supplies, um, plant machinery and stuff like that. So um, when all is that put together, a, a container ship can then sail from uh, locations like Vietnam and China all the way to Nigeria, where, where the gang have is their stronghold, obviously, and their base. And all these legitimate goods are then sold onto the market in Nigeria. So, for example, a lot of the cars and the plant machinery and so on, and pharmaceutical supplies that actually arrive in that country are being, the Black Axe gang are actually behind it. That's one of the main ways that they, um, on a grand scale, launder the, launder the money. Those goods have to be bought in Nigeria. The scale of it is absolutely 
humongous. I'm kind of interested to know, like since they've um, developed a presence here, have they been working with and building ties with other criminal gangs based here or are they so big that they, they don't really need to bother and they can just keep to themselves? Well, there is a bit of connection, but not in any huge, um, meaningful way. Now and again, developing the tactics that you'd be kind of well used to with our drugs gangs in the sense that um, there's been a, a couple of violent incidences um, of intimidation. We're well used to drug-related intimidation involving our own Irish drugs gangs at, at both higher and lower levels. But there has been a couple of incidents where um, people that have been arrested, their homes and, and vehicles have been petrol-bombed in the aftermath of their release. And Gary have basically see this as a, a strong warning that that they're putting out the higher levels of the gang to to these lower level people that have been arrested, um, that you not to talk, not to cooperate with the guard guard investigation. That is quite scary. And I suppose with the international presence that they have, do we know, is it important for them to to grow in Ireland? Like, are the Gardaí worried about them getting stronger and more powerful here? Even though it's they've only come to light, I suppose, in the, in the last two or three years in the sense that we've been writing about them as an Irish problem. Um, but as as Gardaí investigate and go more and more into them and make more and more arrests and, and, and work with their international counterparts, which there have been Europol and, and the American police agencies and so on, they've come to realise that um, Black Axe have probably been in Ireland for around 20 years. So um, it, it took a long while for Gardaí to... Um, to get a, a proper handle on it. And it was really down to the work of, um, I suppose it, ha- it started about three or four years ago where two particular detective superintendents um, decided just to kind of start to tackle this. But it's like the more, the, the more they've delved into it, the more arrests they've made, it's just, it just has been shown up that there's more and more involved in the whole thing. It's, it's bigger than once they embarked on looking into black acts in Ireland. With every significant arrest, more and more stuff is showing up. It is a cause of great concern and, and it, it has been described by some law, as I was saying to you, some law enforcement agencies as the biggest criminal organisation in the world. There is a thing to note as well, Ellen, that um, a lot of what they're involved in it's, can be called white-collar crime. The figures, when you see some of what we were talking about there, the figures can, can be massive and the consequences when you're caught like those three people involved in the romance fraud where, where that woman lost her life savings. The main ringleader of that got was three years and three months for some 280,000 euro being scammed. Whereas if you were caught with 280,000 euro worth of drugs, you could likely be facing at least double that jail times. Certainly more to come, Ken, and I know that we'll be watching your reports with interest, but thank you so much for taking us through that. Thanks very much, Al. I'm Ellen Coyne and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Dave Hannerty with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from The Irish Independent, BBC News Africa, Vice, Arise News and On Garda Síochána. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel, 0818-715-715.